episode 70 of the Get Around Podcast. I don't know if that qualifies as geriatric, but we're getting, so, we're getting close. Yeah, it'll be more fun when we're uh, cent- centenarians. Yes. I don't know what, 30 weeks from now, I don't know what we're going to do to blow up that episode, but we need something In 30 incredible. weeks, who knows if any of us will still even be here. James will definitely still be here. James isn't going anywhere. But who knows. You're not dropping any inside knowledge there. You're just speculating. No inside knowledge as of yet. No. All right. All right. Well, this is a little bit of a different show, just in the sense that, well, Brendan's here. Yeah. J- Jake is For gone. Our, uh, our podcast founder. Uh, James Cook is here. I'm here, but it's one of our rare Tuesday recordings. And thanks to yesterday's state ski finals, uh, we've got one of the best of the best coming in to join the show a little later. Traverse City West, Hannah Shramsky, who won an individual state title on Monday, will join us in studio. Congrats to her. We're going to kind of take a brief glance at the boys' district basketball playoffs that tipped off on Monday night. Uh, Some of those games got moved to Tuesday thanks to the crazy weather we've been having. Speaking of the crazy weather, so this is something that I did that was extremely stupid, just in case anybody wants to know how dumb I am. I I went back to Chicago uh, this last week. I had the week off, went back, visited my family, saw How to Train Your Dragon, cried in the theater. Uh, I have no problem admitting that. It was an amazing end to a great franchise. Um, went and saw the Blackhawks lose on Sunday, which was a bummer, considering that they're right in that race for the final wild card spot in the playoffs. But uh, I decided to, after getting home from the game around 7 o'clock, that I was going to drive back home from Chicago. Oh, I thought you were going to gonna share another story. No, not that one. We keep that one <laughs> off the air. Okay. <laughs> The fact of the matter is that I was at I was in Illinois at the time. It's illegal in Illinois. It's legal in Michigan. So, I mean, I can admit to it. I guess here in Michigan, they're not gonna they're not gonna get me in trouble, right? Our audible viewers can make of that what they what they want. <laughs> so there's many I, things that are probably illegal in Illinois that are that are maybe legal in Michigan. Legal. Yeah, um, but I decided that I was gonna drive home Sunday night, and what an absolute mistake that was. It was fine for the first two hours. Yeah, that doesn't rank above uh, among your, your better decisions. Oh we'll my just God. put it that way. It was, I mean, it was windy down, down in Chicago, but there was no snow on the ground. There was nothing like that. Um, my dumb <laughs> didn't check the weather forecast to see what was going on in, uh, in northern Michigan. And so I decided that I was just going to go and I don't remember at what point it was. Um, you don't exactly but, drive a four-wheel drive either. No, but thank God I got nice snow tires on there. You know, my little Honda Civic was getting just blown all over the place by the wind. There were a couple of times, not a couple of times, there were probably a dozen-plus times where I almost got blown off of 131. There were times when I had to come to a complete stop because I could not see anything in front of me. There was one time where... I didn't even know where the hu- where the road was. Could not tell where it was. And I got my two puppies. Could you tell you weren't in the ditch? I could tell that I wasn't in the ditch because <laughs> there were times when I passed people who were in the ditch. And I was like, all right, don't follow them. That makes sense. But for the longest time, I mean, I did not see anybody else on the road. Which, 
Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know, because they were told yeah, don't they travel. Were, they were they were a little more intelligent that night. God, so but I, but there really wasn't anything for me to do. Uh, it's not like I could pull over and get a hotel. I mean, I guess I could have done that, but I had the dogs with me, and most places don't accept dogs. I could have just snuck them in, but. Man, it was terrifying. It, it usually takes me less than four and a half hours. Quality each in way. for reference allows dogs. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it took me more than six hours. I didn't get home. Uh, I didn't get back home until two thirty. I'd actually say you still made pretty good time. It wasn't normally considered. Take it. A little less than four and a half. But yeah, I mean, I guess that is pretty <laughs> good time. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, the last, the last two and a half hours was the scariest driving of my life. Because I, I just kept telling myself, I'm going to make it home. 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 I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. And, uh, yeah, thank God that I was because um, I'm all good with me getting hurt in some sort of crash. But if my dogs were to have been hurt, had I spun out and gone into the ditch, uh, I never would have forgiven myself. So. Were, were they anxious or were they just chilling out? Guinness was asleep for the first part. Luna is always anxious in the car because we were in a car wreck back in 2010. A 17-year-old pulled out in front of me while she was texting. Head-on collision, 45 miles an hour. Luna was in the front seat. Somehow she survived. Thank God for airbags. Um, And thank God that time for airbags that deployed no matter what. There wasn't the weight (laughs) sensor that sometimes the airbag is on or off. Um, So, yeah, she doesn't like being in the car. Uh, So, yeah, she's anxious the whole time. But, yeah, I... Probably for the last hour and a half, two hours, Guinness was up panting right along with her because I think they could probably sense how nervous I was. I was sore, like, the next morning when I woke up. Like, you were I, so I tense. I was so tense. Like, my, so, my see, shoulders, you started your, your blog already. I started my workout already, yeah. I'm, that's how I'm going to lose weight. I'm just going <laughs> to drive in terrible conditions. Sorry that I spent so much time telling that story, but I hadn't told anybody that story yet, and I wanted to share it with, uh, yeah, our lovely Audible viewers. Well, I think anybody listening can uh, sympathize or relate to that in some way, even if they Listen, weren't on the road Sunday, because it was crazy out there. It was. It's the most helpless feeling when you... When just suddenly there's just a blanket of snow and you can't tell where yeah. you're Yeah. Yeah. And you just go, oh. And you hit a rumble strip and you're like, <laughs> I don't know which side of the road that rumble strip is on. Right. <laughs> and there, I mean, there were, there were times where the snow was drifting so much that, I mean, there were, it was walls of snow on the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. It was freaking crazy. I hit that on Monday morning on the way to the ski finals. There were, I, I encountered an actual traffic jam in Alba, where like you, you tweeted about it in Alba, yeah. in, in Alba, in Alba, Alba, yeah. <laughs> and it's like these uh, semis were coming both ways, and there was like a little kind of convoy of them almost. And when they passed each other, I think they both, you know, because they're always trailing huge plumes of yeah snow and everything behind them. And I think they kind of blinded each other, and they just stopped. I had a I so, had like, a semi so these truck semis driver just stopped in Alba. Me. Like, just, like, I was probably doing 45 miles They get paid by the mile, man. And he comes up, and he just goes, (laughs) and runs right by him. I'm like, good Lord. Like, I slowed down and moved over because I saw him coming. I was like, there is no way. I was, yeah, I I was very careful in my driving. And I advise it to all of you people out there, uh, check the forecast before you make a long trip. Will you next time? Will I? Uh, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Probably, I think I will. maybe, probably, maybe. maybe. Oh. 
hopefully. Yeah, I, I, I was just bummed Sunday when that blizzard came around because I finally had a weekend where I was off and we had planned a snowmobile day trip. We were going to take Harper, who's been like waiting all winter to have more than a five-minute ride. And uh, even snowmobiling, that kind of... Well, all the wet, too, from the melting and yeah. thawing earlier. It just... The conditions weren't good and had to put that on hold. Hopefully this weekend it'll work out because I really want to get on the trails a little bit before... I mean, we're almost to March and then it's going to be summer. So... <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to get like... We'll get like a couple of weeks of spring and then we'll have a second winter and then... Yeah, it'll move from second winter right into Hobbit summer. Hobbit style. Yeah. Instead of second breakfast, we get second winter. Mm-hmm. Well, this episode of The Get Around brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Get those down. You don't even have to, rem- to look anymore. <laughs> That's the shortest and easiest one and the only one I felt comfortable <laughs> doing without reading. <laughs> and I still almost stumbled over it. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to jump right into uh, the girls' basketball confidence meter. Uh, we played this game uh, two episodes ago for the boys as they were heading into the postseason. That has now started, um, albeit, I think, without any surprises in the, you know, the first-round games that were played yesterday. But girls, we've got, uh, well, a big game that you're going out to tonight, James. I don't want to spend too much time on it since everybody the game will be over by the time uh, they listen. But, uh, Unless by, you get it out really Yeah, early. by beating St. Francis uh, two games in a row, Elk Rapids has set themselves up uh, to have a chance tonight to uh, tie Charlevoix for the Lake Michigan Conference Girls Championship. If Charlevoix wins, well, then they win it outright. Uh, but if... Elk Rapids wins, it will be a co-championship. So that's got some intrigue. But uh, as far as postseason goes, starting next week, Monday, for the girls, uh, a matchup that I want to look to is Manton and Glen Lake. I just found out last night that Glen Lake actually lost Haley Helling for the season. Well, that's a hurt. that hurts. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, and Manton, with another year under their belts that – young core starting five that they have what's the confidence meter that glenn lake gets out of the first round is this a one to ten confidence this is a one to ten and if it's a ten you'd ring the bell oh if it's a ten okay wow i i guess glenn lake is more than just Haley helling course um which they proved by beating kingsley without Haley helling the other night in kingsley yeah um but the the postseason we have seen years past postseason is a different beast. It's always a different beast. There, you saw the Glen Lake boys. They turn it up to another level once they got in the postseason. I mean, holy smokes! Did I see that last night? An absolute <laughs> destruction of Mancelona. Uh, that goes to show you right there that I think, and I know we're talking girls, but every team that is going to face Glen Lake or has the, the the boys should be terrified because if they can do that the Breslin is is certainly in their future I will for for this matchup that you say here between the Glen Lake girls and and Manton uh, I will go ahead and and give that a six that the Glen Lake girls can get out of that I was so you think the matchup slightly favors Glen Lake I do think that um, and I only say that because of 
I know that Manton ha has a lot of experience and a young, like, core group that's very tight and, and grew up playing together or has at least played together these last couple of years and, and really understand each other's games. But I, I just like the coaching style that Jason Bradford brings. Um, he's calm, but in a... And I don't even know frenzied isn't the right word, but he, he's calm while being intense, and I think he gets the best out of his girls. And I think he knows how to coach in the, in the postseason. And I think having a coach in the postseason that knows how to coach in the postseason, as I continue to say, coach in the postseason, um, <laughs> is very important. And, and so, yeah, I, I give a slight edge to Glenn Lake in this one. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, they, these two teams matched up last year in a district at St. Francis, and, you know, it was sort of the, even though they lost, it was sort of, I guess, the announcement that Manton was coming. Uh, they were five starting sophomores last year, and they gave Glen Lake everything they could handle. And I remember after that game, Jason Bradford said, you know, they kind of remind me of us a couple years ago when they had that uh, young core that carried them to back-to-back -back Final Fours and... Um, with the loss of Helling and the fact that they've sort of s switched roles a little bit, Glen Lake is more or less young again. They have a bunch of key contributors. You know, uh, Jason's daughter, Grace, um, Jessica Robbins, Haley Helling, who's out. Uh, they're back to sort of being that young team. I know they still have a couple of girls, Kerrigan Lacrosse, Lily Ewing, Caitlin Schaub, uh, back who still have that experience factor. But I think where they rely for a lot of their offense is young again, and I think the loss of Helling really hurts them. And now Manton being a year older, you've got five starting juniors, underclassmen who have been here, who tasted that loss to Glen Lake last year. I think this is their chance not to, you know, say that they're coming like last year, but to say we're here now and you're going to have to deal with us. So, so are you ordering the upset special here? Well, I don't know if I don't know if it's an upset special. I mean, I I guess based on you know brand recognition, people are going to say Glen Lake's the favorite, but I feel like Manton should be the favorite going into this game. I think this district's being played at Elk Rapids, and I'm going to give uh, a Glen Lake a four in my my confidence meter to get out of that first round. I just think. And James is going to split the difference and go yeah. five. That's my guess. Yeah, that that injury loss and. And the improvement of Manton's core, I just I think, puts them over the top. But we'll see. I, I would go about I don't know six and a half or seven. I think. Okay, you're giving Glen Lake a lot of. Yeah, they've got. The, they've got, I mean, they've, they've earned got the it over the years. Got the don't get me wrong. Experience. I, I think the the coaching. I think you know JP Katona's done a really good job at Manton. Um, so I you know, I don't I don't and I, but obviously. Jason I wasn't trying to take a, a shot of, at JP, by the way. No, no, but obviously Jason has a lot of posting experience, too. Um, I just, uh, I don't know that Manton has anybody that can that can contain or, or go up against Caitlin Schaub when she's in the game. So that that could be, I think, it's a, a difference. And then otherwise, I think you're looking at two teams that are very, very similar as far as relying on young players um, and stuff. So, you know, if Caitlin Schaub can step up her game, and be an interior presence for Glen Lake. Uh, I just don't know that Manton has a, a counter to that. All right. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that game. That should, well, I mean, sadly, it has to be a first-round district game because definitely two teams that deserve to move beyond the first round. Uh, but 
that's not going to happen. One is going to have their season ended very prematurely. Uh, let's shift to Kingsley. They just got beat by Glen Lake at home. In trying to judge where the Stags are at right now, what's the confidence level that this team is as good as last year's team? Now, that's not to say being just as good, they should make it to the semifinal. Just saying, looking at one roster versus the other, it, and what we've seen to this point of the season, how good do we view Kingsley? <clears throat> I think they're right there with last year's team. I mean, it's, it seems to be that way on paper, at least. Um, I mean, obviously, I think uh, maybe Jalen Brumfield is the single most talented player in comparing those two teams to each other. But this year's team has a lot of, has a lot of depth. They get a lot of production from all over. They can knock down the three, play defense. Um, Austin DeWeese is a, a big defender in the middle that a lot of teams just don't have. She's been banged up a little bit. She's been hurt. Um but, and they didn't lose to Glen Lake last year. I mean, are we? Is the confidence shaken because of that loss to Glen Lake last week? I think with the competitors on that team, uh, I believe that that lights a fire under them. Uh, I think that they are experienced enough to understand that a regular season loss is just that. That once they get into the postseason, that they can find that gear that they found last year. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if we're putting, again, confidence level here where they match up to last year's team. Yeah, the, you look at the win-loss record, and obviously it's not up there with what we saw last year, um, but I, I do think it's a, a very talented team. Um, but So so 1 to 10, this team is as good as last year's team? 4. As good as last year's team? Yes. I think it's, it's got to be up there 7 or 8, I think. Um, they just have... They just have such good depth, and I, uh, you know, I mean, if you if you're just gonna guess, go play player for player or whatever. But I think this one has just as much potential as last year's team does. They've got a lot of players that can do a lot of different things, and because of that, Shellick always uh, scouts out the opponents really well, and that's why you'll have different players stepping up and being their leading scorer from night to night because he's gonna find another team's weakness, and you know, one night it may be Murray Pearson, one night it may be Deweese. One night it could be Brittany Bowman, and one, one night it's J.C. King. But just having all those all those movable pieces like that and, and a coach that can put them in position to be able to take advantage of what the other team isn't good at, you know, I, I think this team is just as good as last year. I will say that my guess would be Matt Shellick is probably pretty happy that they got their zero-point first quarter performance out of the way before the playoffs got here. They did not score against Glen Lake in the first quarter. <clears throat> It's twelve to zero, uh, which is utterly shocking. Because yes, they, the Stags are very talented, uh, regardless of comparisons to last year. I think I'm going to go uh, with a five on this one. And the only reason I don't think that they're as good as last year is because they just haven't shown that consistency every single game that last year's team did. Now. Like Brendan said a few minutes ago, once the playoff starts, it's a completely different animal. And, I mean, they very well could prove to be just as good as last year's team. But I think you just, by comparing the regular seasons that they've had, it doesn't quite stack up. And so that, that five is certainly no, uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, isn't a negative to what this team can accomplish. It just, at, judging after no, after not. a regular season, it would appear to me that last year's team was superior. So, I obviously I am off the sports desk. I cover news. I cover the education beat now. Kingsley is a community in turmoil. There's a, a lot of things going on uh, out in Kingsley between the, the three uh, suicides that have happened um, at the, the junior high level and then everything going on with Carl Hartman, the former principal at Kingsley Middle School. It's a small community, and things like that really can reverberate and have, I, mean, I don't want to say consequences, but effects outside of just the immediate ones that I'm, you know, I may write about in the paper, or you may read about in the paper, or, or, or see out and hear on the news. So I would imagine there's just got to be some sort of cloud hanging over that community right now, and that can affect high school kids and, and how they perform. I may be completely off base here. Me saying this might be complete and utter nonsense, but the fact of the matter is I, I think that there is... There's just something happening in Kingsley right now that that seems to be hurting the community, and it may bleed over into the sports teams. All right, well, the last question that I want to get to, we had two Final Four teams last year in Glen Lake and Kingsley in separate divisions. Those two teams are, again, at the top of the Northwest Conference, assuming they both win their final game. Kingsley has a little bit tougher road being against third-place Benzie. Uh but if they if they each win, they'll share the conference title. What level of confidence do we give at least one of those two teams to get back to Calvin College? James? At least one of those two? At least one. I think it's a pretty good chance that, that one of those two. Like enough to ring the bell? Not to no, not a, I'm not like I'm not guarantee hardly anything. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody ring the bell in the first week? Jake I, did once. I, no, I, I dinged it one time for a nine instead oh, of the okay. ding, 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 ah, ding. Yeah. Yeah. I think I Jake did ding. once, but it, maybe it wasn't for the power. Yeah, he he the just wanted speeder. to touch the bell. He just, yeah. He couldn't he just, control himself. He's just he's a, a child. He was a shiny object. <laughs> <laughs> he saw himself in the reflection and said, ooh. I must hit that. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if, you're, if, you're only, if you only have to get one of the two in there, I would say it's a good six, at least. Brendan? That one of those two gets there. Who are the two teams again? <laughs> the two that we've talked the most about. Kingsley and Glen Lake. Let's throw well, Okay, hold on. Would it, change your, uh, would it change your answer at all if we included Manton into the mix? One of those three, Manton, Glen Lake, and Kingsley. Or would you still be a six? I'd include Manton in there. Yeah, it's at least, then it's at least a six, I'd say. Okay. Maybe a little. Let's include those three. God, it's so tough to get there. It, it really is. I mean, and that's the point. Um, but I think not having Helling is going to hurt Glen Lake. I, I think things going on in Kingsley is, is hurting that team. Uh, so I might give Manton, despite the fact that I said Glen Lake is going to beat him by a six. I, I mean... Manton has that, that young group, and there's a really good chance that they could do something special this year. If I was going to put my, I was gonna put my money on a team, right, because that's basically what we're doing here with this confidence, like if I was going to bet. Um, yeah, it's like Monopoly. When you have your 10-squared ruler, you have to put your money on it before you spin the wheel. That's in Monopoly? Yeah. 
Is that how you play it? No, it, it's an actual piece of the game that's included. You spin a wheel in Monopoly? Are you thinking life? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so sorry. You're thinking life? <laughs> that's what I meant to say. You're thinking life, yeah, right? You're thinking okay, life, not Monopoly. I don't know why I said Monopoly, <laughs> but yes, in life, yes. You have the 10 squared ruler, and you place the bills on the number and then spin the wheel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> everybody everybody listening I mean, is going, what the <laughs> hell kind of Monopoly <laughs> is he playing? <laughs> So if I was going to put my money on one of these teams, I guess I would probably, I think I'd probably go Glen Lake. But the point was, any one of the three can make it. What's your confidence meter? Six. Okay. And I think that's high. James, I, I James think, gave it a six. And I'm, I, I think that's being just optimistic and, and being a homer. I think I'm, I think I'm going to, no. Are I'm, you going to do the Mark I'm, of the Beast? I'm going to go 666. Six, six? I'm going to go a seven. Just because I don't want to be the same as you guys. And I didn't want to go lower than six. Nobody wants to so be I the had... same as me. <laughs> so I'm going to go seven. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out over the course of next week. Uh, we'll definitely revisit these topics, see how these uh, girls' basketball teams fare in the early rounds of the postseason, as well as you know catch up on all the boys' basketball action. But for now, let's shift our attention to Monday's action on the ski slopes, where Division One and Two. Uh, state final skiing took place on Monday, and take a listen to our interview with Traverse City West's Hannah Tramsky. All right, I'm excited to welcome in Traverse City West Hannah Tramsky, fresh off her individual state championship in Division One at the ski finals yesterday, and I guess. It almost was a bit of an underdog story, right? I mean, you're third going into your final run. Yes. What's going through your mind, and how do you make up that much time at, at an event where everybody's skiing their best? Yeah, honestly, I think for me it's better to be a little behind because then I don't feel like I'm sitting pretty and I can just slack off for the next run. And when I was slipping the course and when I got up to the top, I was, like, hyper-focused. And sometimes I have problems with, like, focusing completely <laughs> on, like, the race and stuff. But I was just, like, it was going – I just kept visualizing, like, nailing the course and, and win, like, coming down and winning and hoping that that would work out and actually come true. And I think the focus is what helped me the most to, like, win the race. Because I didn't actually win either run. Like, just my combined time was winning, so – so was there some big takeaway that you had from your first run that, you know, was that allowed you to be that hyper-focus that you, that you mentioned? Or, I mean... I, I think it was just, I knew that that was my last run ever doing ski racing, and that just meant so much to me, and I was like, I need to make it count, because if I could win that state championship, it would just make all of the hours, like, worth it that I put in my whole life, and, like, all the time my parents spent, and the money my parents spent on it, and all the money I've spent on it, and just, like, just would make it all count. So you, matter. you don't plan on continuing to ski competitively? Or? Well, yeah. Um, if I, depending on where I go to school, I could do club ski racing, but not competitive, like super competitively, no. Okay. Which is sad, but. <laughs> so you get to the bottom of the hill on your second run, and I mean, you kind of only get a natural feel of how it went based on probably mm-hmm. your previous performance, so. Did you think you did well enough to win, or what was what was your initial impression? <laughs> I just got down and I didn't I did, couldn't even remember how my run went. I just was started crying <laughs> like I just bet I just was like oh my gosh that was crazy. I felt kind of fast and 
like I'm not the prettiest skier ever. Like whenever people watch my runs, they just think it's slow and bad. So I was just like, I hope it was fast. Like I'm generally a pretty like late and straight skier rather than like pretty and on time and I don't know. And I just was, I thought it would be enough because it felt, it felt pretty fast. And then when I heard the times of the girls who were in front of me, I just like freaked out because it was slower. And so I knew that I had it in the bag. So you said you started to cry when you got down yeah, there. I did. What was what was the emotion that kind of brought that to the surface uh, of that being your final run? Um, I think I mean I was just I was super sad that it was my final run, but also just like a lot of gratefulness for like the experience I've had with my skiing career, and just like happy that I felt like I had done my best because I didn't want to leave anything out on the hill. That would be like the worst possible feeling is that I felt like I only went eighty percent. And I felt like I had given it my all. And so I was just, it was like just, I think, in a huge expression of emotion in general. Was it kind of a surreal feeling? Oh, yeah. Like, like I still, it just still doesn't feel real that I'll never, like, race again. It still just feels like I'm going to come out next season and do it again. But, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, has skiing, I would imagine it's been a part of your life for a long time. When, mm-hmm. when did you start? And at what point did you maybe transition to doing, you know, doing ski racing? Yeah, I learned to ski when I was two, and I started racing when I was four at Hickory. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing it for, like, basically my whole life. I don't even know how to use the tow rope. I know. I couldn't be- I so. mean, now I, te- I coach learn to ski at Hickory now, and some of those kids are, I'm just like, how did I do this when I was two? I mean, that's, like, crazy. <laughs> but, yeah. So what was four-year-old you best at on the hill? GS. It's always been giant slalom <laughs> for me. I can't turn fast enough, I guess, for slalom. And I used to be kind of bad at slalom, actually, but I figured it out in high school. And, yeah, I, but I've always been a GS girl, for sure. So if you could go back to four-year-old you ski, ski racing for mm-hmm. the first time, what would you tell her? Oh, just enjoy it all. Like, just take it all in and don't take anything for granted, like any – like camps you get to do or trips you get to do and I feel like like we like to complain about like us skiers we complain about the cold and about the weather but just like just don't take anything for granted pretty much now I'm joking here a little bit but you guys do realize you ski in snow and that requires yes it it does have to exactly I know I that's (laughs) that's so fair Uh, yeah in the suits though it gets it can be pretty chilly when you have to take off all your coats and stuff what separates the the attitude of a skier from that of say your regular conventional athletes i'm not saying you're an unconventional Mm -hmm. athlete but you know those aren't the big sports that we usually skiing is one of the big sports that you know we usually think of basketball yeah yeah so what do you think separates the kind of the attitude or the mindset of a skier from other sports i think the biggest difference is that it's the same amount as a team sport as it is an individual sport because like I also play soccer and that is completely team like you are not you are all like all doing everything for everyone else on the team but with skiing like you're you want to finish well so that your team can place well but you also want to finish well so that you can do well and the other big thing is that your best friends are also your rivals like my best friend Emma Dummers is like my biggest rival like I always just want to beat her so bad and that dynamic is an interesting one just because you want them to do well, but not as well as you. Like, you want them to go fast, but not fast enough. And so I think that's what is different about skiing than other sports. So when you guys hit the hill like yesterday, you and Emma, mm-hmm. uh, she's from Traverse City Central. Yep. 
you avoiding each other on race day? Oh, or no. you talk, <laughs> talking smack? Or yeah, what's the... We, we Like, her mom yells at us for interacting too much because she wants <laughs> us to, like, stay with our own team. But, yeah. And we do talk a lot of smack, I would say. But um, it's always a ton of fun with her. Is it always talking smack up at the gates? Like Finn was saying last week when we had him on, that the, that the skiers up at the gate are just really talking smack we to each other right before the run. No, we don't do that. That's another thing I love about skiing is, like, all the teams are just so... We all cheer for each other no matter where you're from. Like, if you know them, you're always just screaming their name, like, oh, whoever. And, yeah, I don't have that issue <laughs> for I us. I think he just does it, like, talking smack like you do with your friends. Oh, yeah. Definitely with our friends, but not, like, when they're about to go out of the gate, I wouldn't say. <laughs> What's the... Have you ever been tempted at the end of a run to just do something goofy? Because there was a couple of guys at the Division Two finals last night, or yesterday, that did. Uh-huh. I mean, I've... I remember I've... It's always funny to, like, tuck through the finish of a slalom course just because that's more of, like, a GS thing. And so I remember when I was, like, a freshman and sophomore, I would always think that's hilarious if you tuck through the slalom finish. But that's really it, I'd say. Because there was a kid from downstate who decided... I think he had, I think his first run he had had to hike or something mm-hmm. or he missed a gate. So his second run... Oh, it didn't at, really at matter. The, at, the very, at the very end, he uh, went butt first. He flipped oh around gosh, before the so finish funny. line and he went butt first. But then he couldn't stop. And he just completely he went. Into the he, he flew into the netting. netting. Yeah. He flew into the netting and like took it out. That's uh, hilarious. Huge section. He's lucky he didn't like hit one of the spectators. I've had my friends do that, like run straight into the B netting if it's like not far enough back from the finish. But I've never done anything that wild. Like Quincy Thayer did a uh, did a worm burn, a worm turn. I think it is. How right after, he, where he basically just intentionally crashed right after the oh, finish line. Oh, okay, yeah. And then uh, to where you can kind of get back up from it. That's funny. <laughs> Has skiing always felt natural to you? Because I got on a snowboard when I was 14, and it was the most foreign thing in the world to me, and I had no idea what I was doing. And so that's why I'm always so impressed by people who can get on skis or get on snowboards and who can somehow maintain coordination going that fast down a hill. Did it always feel natural? Yeah, definitely, I'd say. And I think part of that is because I started when I was so young. But I've tried to snowboard and I'm terrible at it. It doesn't translate. I'll awesome, tell you cool. that. So I'm, I'm fine. You're with not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> now that doesn't mean you should think you can ski. <laughs> I haven't tried to ski because I had such a horrible experience at Crystal Mountain snowboard. Yeah. It was the worst. It was the absolute worst. And I didn't know how to get on the chairlift. I couldn't get oh, off the chairlift. Oh, that can be a tough one. I didn't. I couldn't do the tow rope. And like I'm watching these like four, Tiny five, people, and six yeah. year old just just grabbing along, going right up. And I'm like, I am so dumb. And I was 14 at the time. Of course, fourteen-year-old Brendan is was an absolute nightmare to be around. <laughs> so me being bad at something wasn't helpful. But I'm glad that snowboarding. Is no, still yeah, difficult. you're you're fine, definitely. Good, thanks. That's what I needed. I needed some sort of uh, <laughs> some, take some solace in that. Yeah. So one thing you brought up earlier, just in passing, was the uh, the suits that you guys wear. Mm-hmm. I didn't have obviously the opportunity because James and Jake went out yesterday, but I. I really enjoy photographing skiing oh, because yeah. all the bright colors of the uniforms up against the white snow, it just, I think it makes for really awesome pictures. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, does a lot of thought go into the suits that you guys wear? or I mean, so some teams have team speed suits, which are not my favorite. I like everyone to have their own. And, I mean, they're j- they you try to get a cute one. But, <laughs> and you have them for a long time because, like, once you're in high school, you're not really growing too much. And so, 
I mean, I, I know all my friends by their speed suits, which is kind of cute, and, like, by their helmets and stuff. So if you get new gear, like, parents don't know who you are, and, like, your friends don't know who you are because you just look like a different person, which is funny. That is funny. Yeah. How, much, how much does one of those suits cost? Like, you can drop $500 to, like, $700 on one of those suits. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's rent. Yeah. <laughs> I know last, last night. Whiskey and jeans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I know last night I got home from the meet and I was showing Cena some of my pictures that I took the thing and like that. And the first thing she commented on was, oh, those suits are so awesome. Yeah. I love those colors. <laughs> the padding is like intense in those things too, <laughs> I will say. Are they, I mean. It's like It's a weird spandex. question. Yeah, but like you feel like you're wearing it because it's kind yeah. of constrictive. Or... It's like weird. It's like a wetsuit that's like less uh, like a tighter wetsuit kind of and like with padding on it it's weird <laughs> i didn't know they had padding that's interesting mm-hmm. big fat pads do you have any good luck charms that you have to wear when you're when you're skiing i don't i do have like a ribbon in my goggle strap that okay. i've had in for a really long time that I, I think i put in like states and maybe like freshman or sophomore year but other than that not really are there, do you know uh, teammates or other competitors that have superstitions when it comes to, to skiing? Because it is such a sport where you're looking for perfection mm-hmm. because any mistake could could end you. Yeah. Um, my, again, my friend Emma at regionals, she wore the exact same, like, outfit underneath her suit that she wore when she did really well at States the year before, I think. Like, she was just wearing the same thing. And I've done that, too, where I've worn the same, like, outfit that I wore at a race where I did really well. Um, but other than that, no one has, no one that I know has a really big superstition. Is there like a routine that you go through though, before you kick off at the top of the hill? Like I'm thinking it'd be sort of like, you know, shooting a free throw where you have something you do before you go. It definitely, yeah. I, and once I, like in freshman or sophomore year, I started figuring that out that like what I need to do before I go on my run to make it like as best as it can be. And once I figured that out, I think that totally changed the game. And I just, I, so I'll like memorize the course. I'll count the gates and like know where the combinations are. And then I'll visualize that and do a lot of like squats and squat jumps, like burpees, sometimes sprinting around and then just get in the gate and go. All right. Well, one thing that we asked Finn husband, who was on last week that Mm -hmm. I want to ask you as well is, you know, not to, have a negative moment, but I mean, what's the worst fall you ever had on the on Oh, the, the, w- <laughs> the worst fall I ever had, this is funny, I, in freshman year at Boyne Mountain, I, like, tanked really bad at one, at the, one of the BNC races, and I totally scratched up my whole face, it looked like I had, like, a flesh-eating disease on my <laughs> face, it was so bad, it was, like, like, scratches over my whole, like, mouth, and my lip was swollen, I have a picture of it, it's so funny, and just, like, my whole face is scratched up, and I don't even know how I did that, because I've never done that before, but, and it's not like on Boyne Mountain, you go very fast, but, yeah, it was an intense crash. Yeah, we just kind of found, I mean, none of us knew, like, the suits are, like, pretty mm-hmm. much, you almost Kevlar-like, or they're going to be in the future, because mm-hmm. the skis are so sharp, and he showed us the injury of a friend who had his ski oh, got yeah, him and you can be cut really to the bone, hurt. and it's like, holy smokes, I had no idea. Yeah, last year at States, some girl ran into the snow gun when we were doing GS, and that stopped the race for, like, oh. 30, 45 minutes, yeah, and she was, like, hurt. I saw her this year, though, at States, she was okay, so that's good. Well, yeah. <laughs> But that's, that's, that, I know it, those, those don't have much awful. give to them. No. Or it's any It's like running into a wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. You were at that one, weren't you? Last year? Yeah. 
Yeah, but, that, but I, mean, I, think. I don't remember anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, That's a year ago. Uh, yeah, I barely remember last week. So. <laughs> I would think you'd remember the races being delayed for... <laughs> yeah, it? it was like 30 minutes or so. I was about to go, and maybe then I was taking just pictures, sitting there. Maybe like, you're taking pictures on the other run. Yeah, How maybe were, the Was that early the in the day? Mm-hmm. It was like one of the first girls. They were still in the Oh, first that's seat. why. Ah, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I showed up late. Yeah, then you probably missed <laughs> it. Usually because it was the first event. It's such a long day. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I almost always plan it so that I miss the first run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, all it right, is a really get long there, day. get photos, and then make sure I talk to people at the end. I mm-hmm. think that's, that's what I try yeah. to do. Because then it's afterwards, cool. we have to go through and edit like a thousand photos. Yeah. And then write a story. <laughs> and just be like, then, please let me get one. But the nice thing about skiing is they're pretty usually pretty easy to get. You know, you mentioned that it hasn't really hit you yet, that you're not mm-hmm. going to be skiing competitively like this going forward. So even though it hasn't hit you, what do you kind of plan on filling up that time? Because it, you, you've put a ton of time into it. Yeah, that is a good question. I will definitely do, it really rides a lot on like where I'll go to school. Because if I'm out east, which I have the potential to be out east, I could ski out there in the winter or if I'm here, I could do club skiing. Um, I want. I really wanted to apply to places out in Colorado because I think I would love it there, and that's like a great place to be as a college student. But I didn't end up doing that just because the school wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Like I was thinking about Boulder, and one of my friends goes there. Um, but I'll probably, hopefully, I'll be able to ski in the winter. And then other than that, I'm thinking about like intramural soccer and stuff like something like that hopefully I can find something to (laughs) fill it up because yeah that is a good question (laughs) um one thing I noticed covering the finals and regionals and stuff over the past few years is that uh the parent involvement in skiing seems to just be otherworldly in comparison to other sports yeah the the sport can't go on without the parents which like it's a lot to get yourself into because every single race there has to be like when we host our BNC race, every single parent on the on the team has to be there to help or else we can't do the race. And so you really have to be thankful and grateful for your parents' help because and like the food that they make every race and just the time that they put in and like in Traverse City it's not like you can drive five minutes and get to practice other than hickory. Like you have to drive an hour to get out to Crystal and sit out there until your kid's done training and then drive them all the way back. And so, yeah, it's you need your parents definitely to do the sport. Okay. This may be weird, and maybe just the angle that I'm sitting at, mm-hmm. but do you have two different colors? I do have two different color eyes. Yeah. I'm like heterochromia. One is like half. I don't even yeah. know what it is. But. I was, James, I was just going to ask this question because <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there like, it's really hard to tell. Oh, yeah, 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 really yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you when can you looked up. Okay, like Max Scherzer. Yes, I get that all the time, and I used to say Matt. Isn't it Mac? Max. Oh, Max. See, I don't yeah. even know. <laughs> See, I think it's, it's called heterochromia. It's heterochromia, yeah. 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 And yeah. it's funny, I was born with two blue eyes, but then one of them, like... One changed yeah, and one, one didn't. That happened off. after the crash when you... Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> knocked one of your eyes <laughs> a different color. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into the Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's, and uh, just five quick rapid-fire questions for Hannah and James has one that he's dying to start off with. I don't know what well, it is, I just, but uh, I just noticed at the regionals, like I was talking about the parent involvement mm-hmm. and everything like that. There is always a huge spread of food. Oh my gosh! What is your favorite? My, okay, my Mary Fryer, one of the moms on my team. Her kid is a senior at West. She makes this stuff called fluff, 
and it is like heavenly. There's like whipped cream in it and like chocolate and brownies and that is definitely the highlight of every, whenever Mary Fryer is doing food, it's always like, okay, got to get straight to the fluff because it goes in like five seconds. Is there marshmallow in that? Or? Yeah, there's okay. like all sorts I think I've of had stuff. That before. It's so good. All right. Uh, a point of contention between us. Why are you looking at me? What did I do? <laughs> you, you'll understand when I ask the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it pronounced gif or jif? Definitely gif. Yes. <laughs> Unless it. you're talking about peanut butter. Yeah. I mean, like... The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you know, I tried. I tried to find somebody on my side, but... Um, you have the creator of the gifts on your side. He says it's pronounced GIF, so... Really? That's true. Yeah, I know. Isn't that really just his writing? Oh, yeah, that's wrong, I yeah. think. <laughs> he can be so wrong about his own thing. Right, because it's, it's like graphic interface format. Yeah. So good. Good graphic. Gif. Yeah. It's not. Not graphic. It's not giraffe. <laughs> Jurassic Park. What's the most interesting thing about you we wouldn't learn from sports? Other than your eye, which is really interesting. Um. Yeah, that's the go-to normally when I get asked this. No, but um, I'm a big reader. I love to read a lot. <laughs> okay. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming. It's really good. You and everybody Highly else. Highly recommend. In yeah, the that's world. true. It it's did. It's been at number one for. My mom got it for Christmas, and I stole it. Nice. And it's good. (laughs) If there was a movie produced about your life, who would play you and why? Oh, I would want Margot Robbie to play me just because I think she is just perfect, but she would need to, like, dye her hair brown and curl it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and last one. If you could rename the street you lived on, what would you name it? What is it now? It's Trails End right now. Okay, what would you rename it to? Hmm. That is a weird question. Yeah, I yeah, don't. That's kind of why I, I picked know, it. Something I don't think I've ever thought of. I've definitely thought of if who I would play me. In the I was gonna say like the first four questions she, you know, you yeah. had right away, and I was like, all right, if you've got an answer ready for this one when I ask it, I, <laughs> I don't even know what to do anymore. Maybe just Awesome Street. Awesome I don't know, yeah. <laughs> that works. I grew up on Austin. Awesome uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. My friend lives on Easy Street, and that's a funny one. That's isn't nice. that? Yeah. 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 Me and my mom love that one. (laughs) All right, Hannah, well, thank you for joining episode 70 of the Get Around podcast. It was awesome to get you in here, and congratulations again on the state championship yesterday. Another big thank you to Traverse City West, Hannah Shramsky, for joining episode 70 of the Get Around Podcast. That Great was an, yeah another fantastic conversation. Uh, I think we need to keep getting skiers on. Yeah, not, not a bad idea at all. Uh, she was excellent. Uh, so, yeah, big thank you to her in that conversation. Brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. Now... Something interesting that Brendan pointed out to me before the show is the fact that last week, uh, Great North Alpine skier Finn Husband was the first in the history of the Get Around to be the guest. 69 episodes. To be the guest and then also be elected into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. <laughs> he loves his little, his little one-liners. It sounds nice, doesn't it? It does. I'll never get into it. <laughs> I'll, I'll never be a part of that exclusive club. I know that. That's true. None of us <laughs> will. We get a velvet rope. Uh, but you know, I th- I think that uh, we might be having a second such occurrence. I'd say in so. Back to back weeks. 
Um, Despite I, a, a pretty epic performance from a Traverse City Central. A Trojan. couple of epic performances, actually. Yeah. Uh, the the two that aren't going to get in because you just can't top a, a state championship. Uh, I like wow. how we've already taken the intrigue out of it. We haven't named yeah. the candidates yet. Yeah, we haven't. But people but, uh, have already probably guessed. You can Hannah just skip, you can skip the next two minutes. Tobin Schwanicky. <laughs> yeah, the only only one that they don't know yet is uh, from Bear Lake. James, you called him earlier in the week. I think the day after we recorded last week's podcast. I think, I think as soon and as you, I got you off the th- phone and you with thought it was Waller. A, and you thought it was a shoe in, and I thought I thought it probably was a shoe in too. I thought it was a decent uh, chance. So yeah, who who are you putting up? Yeah, uh, Trey Gilbert from Bear Lake. Did he drop like fifty one? Yeah, he, he like... came. Yeah, he came into their game the other night, um, needing forty six. To get to a thousand. To get to a thousand. He dropped fifty one. And you know, so like I don't know if he like if they didn't have anything ready because who expects somebody to score forty six? Yeah. Oh, so they didn't have a ball or anything? I I don't know. I'm just I'm just imagining that. (laughs) I'm just imagining them not having anything ready and just being like, Oh crap, we gotta do this. Yeah. That actually would that would make a pretty good story actually. It'd be like you know, he's telling his grandkids someday, yeah, you know, uh I, I was so awesome one night that they weren't ready for me to score a thousand points. Great old man impression. <laughs> it. Sorry, I can't do Brendan's old man, you know, without his teeth. Hello. And, yeah, there you go. Oh, back in the day, I, I scored 50 points in a game one time. Shut up, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> What's basketball? Uh, no, hopefully there's still basketball like 60 years from now. But uh, God, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought he was a shoe-in, but crazy, just crazy performance. I think... At least in my time here, which this is my fifth basketball season, that's the first 50-point score, boys or girls, in our coverage area. I don't know how far back you have to think, James, if, if you can even remember a 50-point score, uh, but I, I, I do not. Nothing's, nothing's coming right now. We've had several, several in the and... 40s. At least stuck a couple times. Blake Charbonneau mm-hmm. in the 40s. Um, but, man, I... I don't recall a 50-point game, and that would be hard to forget. Yeah, I don't think I've covered one in my tenure as a sports writer. All right, and uh, my candidate is the aforementioned Tobin Schwanicky, Traverse City Central. Uh, he and the Trojans bowed out. His senior basketball season comes to an end, but, man, did he do it in style. Uh, overtime loss to Marquette. He scored 42 points, and from what I understand, 34 of those in the second half. Unreal. And overtime. And I also didn't realize that he had gotten injured in one of their last regular season games. Even more unreal. Yeah, uh, Travis Shuba was talking to the Mining Gazette who covered the game for us, and you know, I, I guess it sounds like it could be somewhat serious, and uh, at the very least, they basically didn't let him shoot the last several practices at all, and then he comes out and cans nine threes. And but yeah, forty two points. Wow, what a talk about going out, going down in a blaze of glory. I guess indeed. I'll put up uh, Hannah Shramsky, and she's there. It is shocker. Folks. She's she's <laughs> she's repping state championship gear now. So. I feel like that's a pretty safe bet when it comes to the get around Hall of Fame that state champs tend to get in. Yeah, and to and to come from behind on her last run of her high school career. 
Yeah. To win the state championship. And then to say like that she awesome. basically, I mean, I wanted a, a more clarification of what I forgot to ask, but it sounded like she basically just blacked out during her run and then got to the bottom and started crying. But you know what? I mean, you, that makes you hear that from athletes who have crazy good performances. Yeah. They like it. They just yeah. enter. It feels like a dream state. Yeah. Some different zone where they, on a conscious level, they're not there, but they're yeah. just performing on. And their they're mind. just so hyper focused, and then boom, there's that. It's over, and then there's that release, and you're just like. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, kudos to her. So I'm going to vote for Hannah. 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 Okay. For sure. Congratulations, Hannah. And now you... she's also in the Hall of Fame for, what, best guests, too. Yeah. Her and Finn, <laughs> the only two members. You are the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Congratulations. Now, I know that you guys didn't have an idea for the trifecta, but... Uh, this one just popped up on my Facebook memories today. Five years ago today in a small town in uh, central Illinois known as Fisher, where the Fisher Bunnies play, uh, I watched Grant Pointer sink a three-pointer at the buzzer in a uh, regional semifinal. So not a regional championship game, so not that cool. But still, it was a regional semifinal. Uh, his team was down two points. They had the ball at half court. They had drawn this play up and practiced it like dozens of times in practice. You know, one of those things that you do at the end of basketball practice. You're just like, all right, let's let's run this. Uh, you know, you set a pick here. I get to this spot and and launch it up as a as kind of a hail mary. And I remember being at that game, watching Grant get the ball. Two point seven seconds left. Down, I think fifty. Maybe it was 55 to 54, so maybe they were down just one. But, I mean, he wasn't going to get, uh, you know, a two-pointer uh, or a jump shot up, so he had, to, he had to heave it in. And I remember watching this almost in, like, slow motion. Gets the ball, trips, stumbles, somehow rights himself, gets back up, launches it with his left hand, and I'm underneath that basket covering this game, and I'm watching this, and as it's getting closer to the basket – I'm already raising my fist for the fist pump because I'm, at this point, I'm a homer for the Fisher Bunnies because <laughs> that's the team that I'm covering and I don't have to be um, objective or unbiased at that point because I don't know who the other team is. Who cares? And as soon as that, it, I mean, ball, nothing but net goes right through. I'm doing the Tiger Woods fist pump and losing my mind as I'm running out onto the court with my camera trying to get pictures as Grant Pointer is being mobbed on the floor um, by people from the crowd by his teammates it was just it was pandemonium pandemonium it was pandemonium <laughs> or pandemonium as i said twice feel free to leave that in there i will uh and way ahead of you it was <laughs> it was in fisher's home gym so it was it was a really really special moment Bedlam. so i was uh thinking for you guys that was one of my most favorite moments covering sports and maybe we've talked about this before um, but as far as the trifecta goes, what are some of your favorites? I, I, maybe in in postseason action, that that go beyond maybe just the singular game itself, maybe just the play that you can think of. Well, the the first one that comes to my mind doesn't even involve a team that I was covering, and you were sitting right next to me down at Breslin when Powers North Central. Oh yeah, hit that shot in overtime, and they did the whole the whole entire play running right at my camera and. That just oh my god that was freaking incredible I I don't even remember who they were playing um, 
but that kept you know that eighty some game. Wasn't that Southfield Christian? I think it was. Southfield yeah, you're right. Christian. It was who Buckley lost to the yeah. following year. Yeah, yeah. and uh, oh my god, it just was. Absolutely crazy. I can't remember that kid's name, but he had like four points the, his entire basketball yeah. career. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the star of the team by any means. No. And it was just the the way that it finished, too. Like, he's, it was like a two-foot shot, but he, did, he didn't use the glass or anything. He just kind of willed it up and in there awkwardly. And the ball falls through the net, and he's kind of just standing there, like, looking around. I didn't even know if it had counted. right. And then all of a sudden, everybody just starts screaming, and his teammates run and lift him off the floor and just, like, sprint, carrying him 90 feet all the way to the other end of the court. And, uh, yeah, that, that one pops into my head immediately. That uh, was, yeah, it was incredible. As far as watching on TV, I saw it was a Bel Air State final game, so Denny was down there covering it. And, but it was on TV, so I was watching it. And Bel Air was ahead by... One or two points, I believe it was. There was less than a second left on the clock, and Bel Air had the ball, and they were inbounding from underneath their own basket. How long ago was this? This is back when the McClary brothers played back there, and, and Bel Air was like a regular in the Final Four, so probably 10 years ago. Okay. So. Um, so all they had to do was inbound the ball, and they could run the, I think they were, I think they could run the baseline. The baseline. And uh, so. They're trying to find somebody open. Finally, you know, five. They're counting to five, and just throws it to the corner, the deep corner, because that's probably the safest place. And this kid from the other team picks off the ball, taps one foot inbounds, and then throws the ball at the basket and drills it <laughs> to win oh the state God. championship. Oh my! That was a state championship winner <laughs> to beat Bel Air. Yeah. Wow. To beat Bel Air, and that was just. Just crazy, and just and just tap that one foot barely in bounds. Turned around and just threw the ball behind him. <clears throat> well, because we had a buzzer like beater last night play. at Traverse City West, right? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The Titans Petoskey. went down. Titans, um, yeah, mm-hmm. almost beat him twice. Beat Petoskey twice in a row, but yeah, yeah. was it Spurgeon? Right, yep. hit the hit the three pointer at the buzzer. Yeah, yeah. But they it was tied. Uh, in yeah, the, in that aspect. But, so if uh, he missed it, at least they were going to overtime. But yeah, yeah. Those those buzzer beaters in in, yeah. in the postseason. Man, those are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in in person, I would say it was that that Boyne City St. Francis football game from a year or so. Ago. Oh yeah, where the extra point goes Ari and yeah Rye. yeah yeah the, yeah they had the bad snap on the extra point and then uh, they after even after the game the coaches were not admitting that it was a bad snap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they were already building the myth. Yeah, and uh, but like the Philly special, but not. Kind of, yeah, you know, and then they just do the whole, you know, what everybody does. You know, yeah, they all fire and people go to the back of the end zone. But yeah. he just throws the ball up in the back of the end zone, and I think it was Dylan Sulak goes up and gets the ball, comes down for, you know, touchdown to beat your rival of all rivals right. in <laughs> Traverse City, St. Francis, the team. Right. That, and you don't often get those walk-offs in, no. in, in football. Yeah, and it was, that was just amazing. That that whole football stadium was just bedlam and then it was on there or it was on there it was on their cancer night too so all the all the Boyne players were wearing uh pink jerseys with like names of people on them you know that they knew that had died from cancer or had cancer and stuff and it, the whole night was just an emotional night and to cap it off like that was just was just crazy and then and their kicker 
their kicker who was playing in the soccer game, the soccer district final that's that right. day. That's right. He showed up like at halftime. He showed up like in the th- like between the third and fourth quarter. I think they had like a police uh, escort, escort for the for the for the soccer team Good bus Lord. to get the kicker back in time oh for the God. football game. And so he was lining up for the for the winning um, mm-hmm. field goal, and uh, doesn't even get a chance to take it. <laughs> Well, that was a strong finish to episode 70, gentlemen. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad you had that one stashed away. Yeah, uh, I think I Facebook was... Facebook memories. Well, I, thanks to we, that, We wouldn't yeah. remember life if, if it wasn't for Facebook. No, I, I dubbed him uh, Grant Three-Pointer after that because his name ah, was very nice. Grant Pointer. So no this, one else called him that. It was just me. I kept trying to... I was like, what's up, Three? He's like, my name's Grant. Please stop being, <laughs> trying to be cool. You're not. He's like, yeah, high school kids. Making me feel bad. <laughs> Jake had a skier decline an interview to him yesterday. He's like, hey, can I talk to you for... No. And she just walked away. <laughs> Who was that? I can't remember. You'll have to ask him. Um, yeah, we don't need to put any oh, high school... Nice. We don't need to put anybody on blast on the podcast, but we know it wasn't Hannah, so that's... It was not Hannah. This has been episode 70 of the Get Around Podcast. I've been your host, Brett Summers, joined by James Cook and Brendan Queeley. Thanks for listening and have a good one.